Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, our desire this morning is that we would grow in our love for you. That that would be the theme of our lives. That love for you and particularly love for your son would be evident in every aspect of who we are. That we would be known as a people of love for Christ. And that that would be seen in our interactions with our family with our friends, with our co-workers, in our neighborhood, in our society. Father, grip us this morning with a need to grow more in love with you. And by your grace today, through the ministry of your word, the work of your spirit here among us, Father, may we seek to grow to love you more. May we leave this place different than when we first came in. We pray this in Christ's precious name, pleading His blood. Amen. If you take your Bibles, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6 again. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And we began the year looking at this passage, uh, a passage that is well known It contains what we call the greatest commandments, um, that we should love God with all that we are and that we should love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And so we spent some time last week looking at this. So I'm going to go ahead and read the passage. We're going to read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9, and then we'll spend the majority of our time looking at verses 6 through 9 this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life. And that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house. And on your gates. So, what we have been looking at is how this passage calls us to live a life of love for God. And there are really two main 
things, two commands that I want us to consider. And we looked at the first one last week that we're called to love God completely. We see this in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And we spent some time looking at how we must first of all understand who it is that we are loving. We love the God that exists, not a God of our imaginations. We love the God who is the the covenant-keeping God. He is Yahweh. We love the God who is the sovereign of their universe. He is Elohim. And we love the only God that exists. The Lord is one. And then we saw, well, what, what, to what extent or to what, what point is that love to be in our lives? And we're to love God fully with our hearts, desiring Him supremely. We are to give ourselves totally to that. We love Him with all our heart. We love Him with all our soul, the very essence of who we are. And then we are to exert ourselves diligently that our might is used in loving God. And then we, we spend some time looking and how this is a high calling, and it's a calling that we cannot of ourselves produce. It's an impossible commandment. To love God fully and completely every moment of every day is what God is calling us to do, and none of us do it. But praise God, Christ has. And we find in Him, by looking to Him in faith, the righteousness that He has is given to us so that we can be reconciled to God. If we turn to Christ in faith, this commandment is completed in Christ on our behalf. And then we looked at what it looked like in the life of a believer. What does it look like now for someone who has received the, the grace of God and has turned to Christ? How does, that, how does that look? And we looked at Paul, particularly in Philippians chapter 3, how he gave up everything for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. So what does that now do, or how, what is the next step for us? We've seen the example of the Apostle Paul. We've seen what we've been called to do. What does that look like, then, on a practical basis? And we come back to Deuteronomy, and we see that if we're truly loving God completely, the next thing that will happen is we will love His Word passionately. If we love God completely, we will love His Word passionately. In fact, the whole point of this passage is that we love God by loving His Word. And so look with me here in what Moses calls the people of Israel to do. Now remember, this is Deuteronomy, which is the second giving of the law. Israel stands on the brink of crossing over to Jordan. They're going to go in and God is going to give them the land that He's promised. But as they do that, Moses is reminding them of how they're to conduct themselves as they enter the promised land. And so verse 6 we see, And these words, particularly the law, the statutes, everything that God has revealed to His people, these words that I command you today shall be on your what? The first thing we see that if we're to love God's Word passionately, His Word must be on our hearts. Not only is our love for God heartfelt, but our love for His Word must be heartfelt. It must be imprinted 
on our hearts. That is the idea here of it being on your heart, something that is engraved into the very fabric of our desires. It leaves an indelible mark upon the deepest areas of our lives. I mean, this is clearly what God intends for His Word to do. Hebrews 4, 12, we know this passage well. The Word of God is living, active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It pierces to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of the joints and of the marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of what? The heart. I mean, you can see how the writer of Hebrews here points to the the probing, the the deep-seated work that God's Word is meant to do in the hearts of His people. That is taking God's Word and applying it and having it be the driving motivation of our hearts that allows us to live a successful life. A life that pleases the Lord. Psalm 37, 31. The law of God is in his heart, and because God's law is in the heart of the, that the psalmist is speaking of here, what happens to his steps? They do not slip. See, we can't think that we can come to God's Word and treat it sort of like a self-help manual. You know, if you think about a self-help manual, like, for instance, if my truck has a problem, I can go to the manual and find out like the little different issues that it has there. But listen to me, I, I'm not very thrilled about reading the owner's manual of my car. I don't know, maybe, maybe you're mechanically minded and you like that type of thing, I don't know. Because we, we sort of only go to those things when there are problems in our lives. And in fact, if, if, we, if we even treat our our vehicles that way and we don't follow the scheduled maintenance we don't follow what it calls us to do we'll end up having bigger problems god's word is so much more it's to be the very thing that is engraven in our hearts so that we we beat the problems before they come up because it's transforming us from the inside out It is how God's people are to be considered and defined. Listen to me, you who know righteousness. Who are the people who know righteousness? The people in whose heart is my law. How do we, want, how, how do we go about living righteously and godly in this world? It is by having the Word of God in our hearts, upon our hearts, leaving an indelible mark upon our hearts. It is to permeate the deepest part of who we are. Now, we we have to recognize that this too, just as love for God is gained by God's grace given to us in Christ, so it is love for His Word is produced by God's grace in the heart of His people. You know, it's interesting. Here we have the, the, the second giving of the law, the, the, the conditions upon which the covenant of, between God and Israel is to be mediated upon. And you just have to do a cursory look at the history of Israel How did they do with what Moses tells them to do? They fail miserably. 
In fact, when we come to the prophet Jeremiah, he's looking at idolatry. He's looking at sin. He's looking at God's people committing spiritual adultery all around him. And God comes to him and gives him a message of hope. Hope that is not placed in the people, but hope that is placed in what God will do in his people. And he gives him the new covenant. A covenant that God will make with the house of Israel in those days. He will put His law where? Within them. And He will write it where? On their hearts. And those upon whom the law is written, that is the people who will be God's people. And that is the people who will have God as their God. I think it's important that we recognize what does it mean to be a Christian, to be part of God's family? What does it mean to be one of God's people? And it's not fundamentally about coming to church on Sunday. It's not fundamentally about living a good life. It is fundamentally known as a people who love God's Word. God's Word must be on our hearts. If you go through your life and you claim to be a Christian, yet you have no desire to consume, to learn, to grow in the Word, there is a real question as to whether or not the law is on your heart. How do we evaluate this? Well, what do you spend your time doing? We, we live in a, in a time and an age where so many things are accessible to us at the tip of our fingers. Sports, entertainment, sinful activities are available to us instantly. What do you spend your time with? And while those things are more available to us at, at any time than it has ever been in human history, so it is also with the Word of God. Particularly for English-speaking people, the Word of God is more available to you now than it has ever been in human history. You just have to go back 150, 200 years. People couldn't afford Bibles. There were no dollar trees that sold them on their shelves. If you, and if you had the privilege of being able to read... You would have to go to the church and read the Bible there. And it would oftentimes, because it was so expensive, be chained to the church building. We didn't have the access to pull up our phones and, and read it. And yet we have access to God's Word more completely and more readily available than at any other time in human history. And yet it seems that it is more neglected now than it has ever been. Why? Because it's not on our hearts. Because we don't love God's Word, which is an indication ultimately that we don't love God. If you want to show love for the Lord, if you want this to be a principle in your life, you will be passionate about the Word of God. You'll seek to not just read it for 15 minutes in the morning or in the evening. 
You'll seek to integrate it into your life. You'll seek to meditate upon it. To memorize it so that you can carry it with you. God's Word will become the all-encompassing desire of your life to learn it. And so if we're going to love God, we have to love His Word passionately, and that means that His Word first must be in and on our heart. But secondly, God's Word then must be proclaimed to others. Notice what Moses says. So, and here's what's important to keep in mind. There's a, there's a reason why Moses gives it in this order. He doesn't say, do these things, and then the word will be upon your heart. The actions flow from the word being upon the heart to begin with. That's what it must begin with. If it's not on your heart, everything else that follows is going to be useless. But if it's on our heart, then how is that seen? Look at verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You know, we know that we like to talk about the things that we love. For instance, I don't, think it take, I don't think it would be hard for anybody here to answer this question. What is one of my favorite things to eat? Ham. How do you know that? I talk about it, right? We talk about the things that we love. And that's exactly what Moses is calling the children of Israel to do here. Listen, if God's word is on your heart, then you will teach these things diligently and speak of them throughout your life. If God's word is on our hearts, if it's truly affected the deepest areas of our lives, then it will be the thing we talk about most. It will be the thing we talk about most. I want you to think about that for a second. Think about your conversations this past week. How many of them were tied to the Word of God. That's a really good way for us to evaluate if we truly love God's Word passionately, passionately like we ought to. He specifically speaks of this, first of all, being the responsibility of parents. Notice what he says again in verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Parents are those tasked with the goal of showing and exhibiting what it means to keep these commandments before their children. They're to speak of God's Word. Now, listen, this is not just referring to family worship, a time spent where you open the Bible and read it and talk about it, but rather what Moses is talking about is a diligent exercise, effort, in teaching your children these things. That it should be something that you take great pains to do because you know how important it is for your children to know this. We wonder why the younger generation is turning away from the church. And it's not a problem with the truth of God's Word. The problem is found in the fact that 
parents don't live it out as they ought to. And their children see that and they say, if this is what Christianity is, I want nothing to do with it. It's because parents have failed to diligently teach their children God's law. Listen, they see through the hypocrisy of their parents. So what is the corrective to that? It is to diligently teach your children. And to diligently teach your children, that means that it's going to be evident in your life that God's Word is first and foremost where? On your heart. That will be evident to them. But then also we see that it is to be the constant focus of your day. You shall teach them diligently to your children, he says in verse 7, and then you shall talk of them. Now, when shall you talk of them? On, for, in this time, it would be on Saturday at synagogue or at the temple or at the tabernacle. But for us today, is he just saying, well, you talk about it on Sunday. Sunday is, is God's Word day, right? Like, that's sort of how we view it. We come and we sit and we hear this crazy guy who's in love with Ham talk about things from God's Word. Maybe we go home on, on Sunday and, and we open up the Word and read it again, and then the rest of our week is spent ignoring it, right? No. Moses is saying... Listen, you're to talk of it when you sit in your house. How many of you here this past week have sat in your house? Raise your hands. All right. So that means when should you have been talking about God's word? Then. What about when you walk by the way? When you're going about your everyday business, this is the idea of the things that happen in the course of your life. Are you looking to and talking about and and seeking to meditate on and consume God's Word? When you lie down, what are the things that fill your thoughts at the end of the day? What do you think about? Is it, boy, this was a bad day and, and you... You think about all the troubles and trials and difficulties you face that day, or do you think about what's coming tomorrow? And, oh boy, I've got this thing at work, or I've got this person I've got to deal with. Or, or, and, and you see, it's no wonder that our nation has a problem with sleeplessness. Because we spend our days, our evenings, when we lie down and when we wake up thinking about all this stuff, and God is calling us to say, fill your mind with His Word. Can there be a greater source of comfort and hope and strength because God's Word always points us to Christ who is the Good Shepherd. And so we have to be speaking of it, thinking upon it when we sit in our house, when we walk by the way, when we lie down and when we rise. Now, you read that and you're like, so essentially you're telling me that my whole life needs to revolve around God's Word. Yes. Boy, that's awfully extreme, Pastor. I mean, I'm a Christian, but I'm not an extreme Christian. And, and see, see, we justify our rebellion against what God has called us to do in those terms. 
Moses is saying to Israel, listen, if, if you want to have it go well with you in the new land, as you're crossing over this Jordan, if you want to have success, you're going to look to God's Word. I mean, this is reiterated again when Joshua takes the people into the land. Joshua 1, 8 and 9, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate on it, how often? Day and night. And then if we do that, then we'll be strong and courageous. We'll not be fearful because the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. Yes, His presence is with us, but His truth abides with us when we abide in His truth. When we look to the Word. And we proclaim it to others. Your family, your friends... Your neighborhood, they should know you as a person of God's Word. Someone who seeks to integrate it into every aspect of your life. So God's Word must be on your heart. God's Word must be proclaimed to others. And thirdly, God's Word must be evident in your life. Notice the last Verse, verses 8 and verse 9. Last two verses. So the words on the heart, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and then it becomes evident in our lives. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. As heartfelt love for God's Word produces our mouths to speak of it, then it is seen in our lives, visibly seen in our lives. God's Word is transforming us from the inside out. And so it will be evident to the world around us that we are people of God's Word in the way in which we live our lives before the world around us. Now, Moses here speaks symbolically of what it's supposed, what, how, how obvious this should be. And he talks about, first of all, binding them as a sign on your hand and as being frontlets between your eyes. Now, there's a number of, there's a lot of debate here. Is Moses calling upon people to literally do this? And if you know anything about the Jewish religion, this is something that they literally do. They will put on what's known as phylacteries. And they will take and they'll have a, they'll have a box that will contain a little scroll of Scripture. Oftentimes this passage of Scripture or another passage of Scripture. And then that box will be placed here on their, on their arm so it's, and pointing towards their heart. And then they will take leather straps that's connected to that box and wrap them around their arm and through their hands in a particular way so that they, in this outward way, are obeying what Moses is saying. They'll put on the phylactery there. And then they will have another one that they will take and they will have a box that they will set on the top of their head that will be wrapped around the back of their head and it will also contain a little scroll. These are the phylacteries. 
that they would put on. Now, it's amazing to see how they take what Moses says here as clearly a symbolic way of showing how God's word is to impact our life and use it as a means to self-righteousness. Jesus points this out in Matthew 23, talking about the Pharisees. He says they do all their deeds to be seen by who? Others. How do they do that? They make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. The idea here is that, that they would go in such a way that, it, that they would show how righteous they were to other people by making the phylacteries obvious. In fact, and sometimes they would walk in a way so that when they walked towards you, they would bow their heads so you could see that phylactery on their head. They would walk and, and let, the, let the box swing a little loose so that you could see it swinging. They did it for the sake of you seeing how devoted they were to God's word. And yet Jesus in this passage points out that they'll do all these outward things, but inwardly they're turning away from God's word. And this reminds us of what the Scriptures say. We are not to look on the appearance, the outward appearance, because God does not see as we see, does He? We look on the outward appearance, but where does God look? On the heart. And I think it's important to keep this in mind again because we cannot have outward manifestations of our commitment to God's word without first having the inward reality on our hearts. One is a way of legalism and Pharisaism and self-righteousness, and one is a way that is dependent upon the grace of God to transform us. So what is Moses saying here? He talks about binding them on our hands and on the frontlets between our eyes and having it on the doorposts of our house and on our gates. Again, the Jewish people practice this today with what's called the, particularly having it on the doorposts of your house and on your gates with putting up what's called a mezuzah. If you've, I've gone into places in Squirrel Hill, restaurants in Squirrel Hill, bakeries in Squirrel Hill, and you'll see a little, on the side of the doorpost, you'll see a little box, and in that box is the Word of God. So what, what is Moses getting at? He's, he's using clearly figurative language. He doesn't mean for us to go through all this rigmarole so that we can check a box and say, well, I've done what the law says. It's to be as a sign on our hands. Look, the things that we do, the actions that we take with our hands, the way we live our lives, it needs to be lived according to the eternal principles of God's Word. How do you make decisions in your life? What things motivate you? How, what, what forms your priorities in your life? It must come from the eternal, living Word of God. Your eyes, in between your eyes. There's a focus there both upon what comes in through the eye gate and what you focus on in your head. What are you filling your eyes with? What things do you focus on in your life? And what things do you meditate upon in your life. 
And then having the word on the doorposts of the house, it's a reminder that when you go out and when you come in, what is to be the focus? The word. Living by the principles of God's word. See, what Moses is saying is, look, it should be as though you have these phylacteries and you have these mezuzahs, but you don't actually need the physical things because your life so clearly demonstrates that you're living according to God's Word. That people know that you're a person of the Word. Not because you have some physical mark upon your body or some physical thing in your doorpost, but because you're living it out. It's obvious in the choices you make day in and day out. So if the Word of God is truly graven on our hearts, then it will be obvious to the world around us. Our outward life will display the inward reality of the grace of God that our hearts have been circumcised. We're reading here in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And as Moses brings this book to a close in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he reminds Israel of this reality. He says, The Lord God will circumcise your heart, the heart of your offspring, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, that you may live. Throughout all this, we have to be completely and thoroughly dependent upon the grace of God to produce this transformation within us. This is how we live a life of love for God. We know the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. We know the parable or the, the story when the lawyer, the, the keeper of the law, comes to Jesus and says, What is the greatest commandment? And he asks him, How do you say? And he gives the right answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, You've said rightly, do this and what? Live. Exactly what Moses said. But here's the problem. When that lawyer considered the call of that command he sought to justify himself because he knew he could never keep it in his own strength which is a reminder to us that we must turn to christ and find hope fully and completely in him and then being transformed we show our love for god by loving his word do you love God's Word today. I don't mean do you love the stories in it. It's riveting reading in parts. If you truly love God's Word, you will be happy to read through the lists of the impronounceable names in the genealogies. Because there you see the faithfulness of God to His promises. It is amazing to me that the first gospel in our New Testament, what does it begin with? A genealogy. 
Because we're able to see and savor and love the promises of God that are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Do you love God's Word? Do you love to talk about it? And not just talk about it, but do you love to live it out? Letting it control your actions. Letting it shape your desires. Letting it change and mold you more into the image of Christ. Jesus is the great example of what it means to love God's Word. When He was starving, having fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, and the devil came to Him at His most weakest human point and said, Command these stones to be made into bread. You're hungry. You're the God of the universe. You can do this. And Jesus looked at the devil and said, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That is someone who loves God's word completely. We talk about fasting oftentimes as a discipline, and it is a discipline. But I think we get off in this idea that we're just focusing on the fasting when the reality is fasting should be a result of us consuming God's Word so much we forget to eat. That we love and want and desire and rejoice in and savor the Word of God so much that we can do without ham or whatever favorite food it is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Being here in western Pennsylvania in the Pittsburgh area, I'm sure... You probably know someone in your life who is the ultimate Steelers fan. In every conversation, what are they talking about? The Steelers. They know all the facts of the history, all the, all the things that went behind the history of the team. They can quote statistics and game scores. Their favorite um, ambassador from the United States was Art Rooney when he was the ambassador to Ireland. Nothing makes them happier than talking about the Steelers. When the game's on, nothing's more important. Their wives try to come to talk to them about a fire in the house, and they say, we'll deal with it later. The game's on. Everything else in their lives becomes second to watching the game. When they watch the game, they're engaged, cheering with all their might, yelling at the refs. Or the play calling. In fact, sometimes they think that how they're yelling and and cheering is affecting the game. In the offseason, they think about the moves that are going to be made by the team. What it needs to do. How the team can be better. It's their favorite topic to discuss. All their conversations tend at some point to the Steelers. And you can see them coming a mile away. They have the flags on their cars. They have the, 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 the stickers on the side of their cars. 
They always have a Steelers hat on or a Steeler hoodie. They put, they put the Steelers on the frontlets of their head and on the gloves that they wear. See, the reason why I bring this up is this is exactly what Moses is calling Israel to do for God. This isn't some strange, unknown activity. We see it all around us. And would that we would have that type of passion for God. Would that we would be known not as the ultimate Steelers fan, but as the ultimate lover of God. And that it would be evident in the same way that it's evident in the way people cheer for the Steelers. So I bring that up to say, you know what this looks like. Is it true in your life? The greatest commandment is to love God completely. And we exhibit that love by loving His Word passionately. You know, I began this sermon last week, the first day of the year, and it was somewhat similar to the way Moses was giving this to Israel. They were about to go into the promised land. Here we are entering into a new year. Are you going to be passionate about God's Word this year? Is it going to be the thing that you look to so that you can show your love for God? This reality is going to transform us to press on to know Christ. Remember we talked about Philippians 3 and Paul said there was one thing that he constantly sought to do. He pressed on to gain the excellency of the knowledge of God in Christ Jesus his Lord. How do you do that in 2023? Look to the Word. Grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So as we continue into 2023, as you continue into 2023, let's not simply resolve to read God's Word more. Let us, by God's grace, love God by loving His Word. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your Spirit that is given to us to guide and to direct us in all things. Father, may we truly have a desire to love you and that that love would be shown in the way that we love your word. Father, send your spirit now into the hearts of every believer. Father, send your spirit to those that are here perhaps that do not know you that they would see their need to turn to Christ. And Father, burn within our hearts a desire to consume and to be transformed by Your Word. Father, may 2023 be a year where Bible Baptist Church is known as a church of the Word of God. We pray this 
in Christ's name, pleading his blood.